An excerpt from the Book of Promised Poems, written by a czar to Asinia. Poem 12. As you took my hand amid fire and flower, your blood flowed into my tears and we stumbled out to feel fresh air for the first time. Now humming and vibrating. The weave of the world like guitar strings. I could hear the song, the weave holding it all together. And you added your voice. And then I gave mine. Welcome to Diceology, an actual play podcast dedicated to telling you stories in an anthology format. We're here for the role-playing and the rolling. I'm your host, Natalie, and with me tonight is our other host, Dane. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we're doing tonight? I can totally do that. Um, So welcome to our second anthology, which I cannot give you the title of here, even though it's absolutely uh, in the title of this episode. (laughs) because as of this recording we don't have a proper title for it yet and what we do have which i'll let everyone in on a little secret it's uh what we have titled right now is a world of our own anthology 2 that's way (laughs) too long of a title and not descriptive at all so um we're here with our second anthology which is it's fantasy in and uh in more of a traditional sense like swords and magic less uh spaceships and uh ai so but we're gonna be on islands and there are gonna be beast gods and seasonal goddesses and so the first game we're gonna gonna play is called slay with me uh by give me give me the name give me the name by ron edwards and i don't really know how to properly describe it (laughs) how would you describe it oh goodness um it's well like you described like it's all written in prose basically um and it's uh, kind of an epic fantasy thing it has romance and monsters and heroes it's definitely in the vein of like the the beowulf sort of story or maybe the like a conan the barbarian style story where it's very much there's there's one hero and there's a single monster and there's a lover involved uh you know what on the third page there's a quote from samuel taylor coolridge that's actually pretty descriptive in its own way which is but oh that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedar cover a savage place as holy and enchanted as ever beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover which i'm just like yeah that about covers it <laughs> that really captures the vibe <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's just and it's 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 light on the rolling but the dice do help us tell the story and the outcome, but it's mostly an improvisation between Natalie and I. And tonight we are going to be the telling one of the origin myths of the world in this anthology. So 
I don't know how much more of an intro I can give it without getting into rules. And in this game, the rules are tied up with the game so much that we just kind of have to start playing. <laughs> We're just going to do it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So I start us off. You start us off. Okay. I am myself. I am canny, brutal, experienced. I laugh at the gods. I delight in life. My foes meet death swiftly. I am an escaped apprentice, defiant and scorned, but armed with the weapon that I invented. I have brown skin, dark features, coarse dark hair, blue-gray eyes, the color of the sea, and I'm dressed as a sailor. Our story takes place in the forest of flowers, and I am coming here to find a place of sanctuary for the people of my village to protect them from the wrath of the beasts. The location that Natalie chose has become mine to develop. The landscape, the appearance, whether anyone else is there and what they're doing and everything else. I don't have to include your goal, but I remember that it has to be there. I decide whether the monster and lover are different characters or the same character. I make everything about him, her, it, or them. Especially I will consider how the monster kills you and how the lover desires you. The lover must be wedded to the location in some fashion rather than the visitor. I will assign a value to the monster of four, five, or six, and a value to the lover of one or two. I will write down these scores and only tell Natalie the lover score. Natalie, the lover's score is two. And now I will do, I will give more of the description. First, there's the sound of the waves. In and out, against the shore, against the sand, against the rocks. The water is gray and blue in mid-morning light. And you have been fleeing your village on another island across the sea because you decided that constantly fighting the beasts wasn't working. That you needed to flee to find somewhere safe. So you took the weapon you invented, you took a boat, until you came across the island with the forest of flowers and you see it and as you get closer there's a soft bay and your heart skips a beat because you see people more humans more friendly folk you can hear their voices on the wind as they walk between their houses down to the ocean to collect traps full of crabs or nets and get into boats to go fishing. Their houses are made of some wood, but mostly built into hills and covered in earth on top for roofs. Their, the rooftops are grass and the occasional wildflowers. And some children wave at you and your ship as you come in. And your boat scrapes against the beach. And you're here. I think the children come running up to you, uh, chattering, and you're very lucky to find that while it's a slightly different dialect, you do speak the same language. And this is how we begin. I begin by describing the location 
and you respond by saying how you enter it. And the rest of the game is kind of a, an improv. We're just going to go back and forth talking. So when I see this place, um, tears come to my eyes and my ship pulls up on the shore and I can see people on the beach and the children who are running and I think I, I stand there um, staring for a moment because I haven't seen a place that isn't, um, how shall I say it? torn apart by war and violence in probably several years and I think I I put on I put on my hat and I um and I jump off my boat and I, I I'm trying I'm trying to greet the children and um but I'm frankly speechless I, I don't know, are the are the children saying anything specific, or just kind of gathering around, or... They're gathering around, they're clamoring at you, they're, uh, like, they're all chattering little questions, like, Hello, who are you? What's, what's going on? Are you from, like, where are you from? Are you from the North Island? Where, are you a pirate? Like, they're, they're just chattering at you, like, <laughs> you, you can't answer, like, you can't get through an answer before the next question comes from a different kid. So it, it... It's just the, it's just kind of that babble of life. Mm -hmm. I think a few adults, are, uh, probably fishing folk, are setting down their nets and traps and rods and approaching a little slower, a little more carefully, mm -hmm. a little more wary. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think I want to greet the grown-ups, um, but first. First, I just like smile at the children and I kneel down and out of my pocket, I pull a variety of um, little gemstones that are usually used to um, like embroider the hilt of a sword because um, I was an apprentice who designed weapons. And so I kind of just have some of these with me mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like letting them look at them and take a few. They're very excited about that. And that is enough to get them to kind of scatter off <laughs> Uh to figure out a game to play with the gems or to figure out what they could trade for such things. <laughs> um, and I think a, a tall woman, how tall are you? Ooh, good question. Um, I actually think I'm pretty short <laughs> or not like super short, but maybe like five, four, you know? Okay. Yeah. This woman's close to six foot. So like, <laughs> She's like six foot tall, red, red hair pulled back in like a big old plait and tons of freckles. She's maybe 30, somewhere around there. And she's got like big arms. Like she, she's probably like the village is too small to have something like a dock master or a foreman. Mm -hmm. But she's like uh, essentially that because there is no dock. She's she's beach master, essentially. Uh, and uh she says, I'm Vala. Who are you? My name is Asinia. I, um, I come from the north. I was hoping to speak to, to one of your leaders. I, uh, I'm here, I'm here on behalf of my people. We're, we're dying and we need help. The woman nods. She says, we can take you to our head, woman. Uh, follow me. 
and she leads you through through the village and up over up over a hill towards so the village is built around this this bay basically and you crest a bit of a hill past the sand and you can kind of get a better lay of it and like i said the houses are built into hills and the ones that aren't that are freestanding have like artificial hills put over them so they're they're green uh and these hills like kind of go out for quite a ways and there's some there there are some fields over them like clearly this is a fishing village more than anything but they do farm here and past that at the edge of your of your vision you can see this line of bright color it's shaped like a forest but it's bright and colorful like a flower garden but you go you go down to one of the biggest and maybe maybe the only completely freestanding building uh it's built out of carved wood and clearly the word has gotten to you gotten through the whole village before uh before you and as you as you kind of bustle down this the main lane where there's some people selling uh selling goods you bump into a large man by mistake he's uh a little shorter than vala he's got tan skin and dark brown hair that's uh down to his shoulders maybe long longer than his shoulders probably to the small of his back Uh, he's got a beard and he just bumps into you and he's carrying some like groceries basically is what it looks like and he's just like i'm so sorry and it kind of moves on (laughs) uh and like vala gives him like just the saddest look and then just like puts like gives a wave over her shoulder like come along and sitting at the the base of this wooden building is a woman with brown hair white skin probably in her 40s wearing probably She's clearly wearing one of the nicest outfits. Like most people are wearing like really simple clothing, but it's all, none of it's dyed. It's all plain colors. She has like a blue, bright blue cloak. And suddenly you think about that and you're like, oh, that man I bumped into, he had like a red shirt. Weird. Like, it's just like, it's just Mm -hmm. unusual. Uh, But you kind of like shake that off. And Vala says, "Uh, this is our head woman, Nishka, Nishka. Asinia, correct? Yes. Yes. Asinia, uh, Hedwim Nishka, Hedwim Nishka, Sinia, she's from the north. And the head woman's like, her eyes kind of go wide, like, oh, okay then. Um, and she dismisses the people who she was talking with. Uh, it clearly was just like a social visit, and mm-hmm. Vala kind of says goodbye like i have to get back to work essentially Mm -hmm. uh you know the tides wait for no one and nishka headwoman nishka essentially gets off her porch and how do how do people in the north greet each other from the northern island hmm that's a good question um Maybe it's just something as simple as like, just like kind seasons to you, you know? 
Uh, she nods. Um, and she does something you don't expect. She puts her hand on the back of your head and like touches her forehead to yours and gives a sim- like a kind of similar greeting where she says, may the season goddesses be kind and may the beast gods be absent. I think, I think that Asinia kind of like stiffened um, in response to her touch. I think that she's been pretty conditioned um, to fight. Um, but, but she's polite and kind of nods back. Well, um, welcome, the head woman says. You'll forgive me, but we were under the impression no one lived north any longer on we heard the northern islands were all forsaken that's that's almost true which is why i'm here um there aren't many of us left uh maybe a (laughs) hundred um and that's being generous we're running out of options. We're running out of supplies. Many of us, many of us want to keep fighting, but it's a fight that we're losing. And I, I don't have any, any family left. And I couldn't just sit back and watch my friends and my master just die like the rest of them. And I, I think she kind of like catches herself getting maybe oversharing and she's like, I'm here to ask for help. Um, because we have nowhere, we have nowhere left to turn. And I know that's a lot to ask. I, but my, my people need a place to go. She nods slowly. Hmm. It's a big Island here right right um that's why i was hoping maybe there's room our village is many hundreds strong now i haven't counted lately there are villages on the other side of the island too it's many days by boat to get there but in the middle on most of the island is the forest of flowers. Yes, it's beautiful. I suppose it is. All Why of the do you villages... hesitate? Simply because we are much safer here and much luckier does not mean that we are not without beasts well (laughs) from what i can tell your people are your people are winning the fight and that's that's enough it's not a fight with us what do you mean we are nishka takes you up to the top of a hill so you can see the forest of flowers with her this part of land and the other few places where there are villages are the only parcels of land 
allowed to us. Allowed? Yes. The island could sustain more people if we could go into the forest. What's stopping you? Letka. She has been, for lack of a better term, our lady for generations. She has no monstrous rival on this whole island. And we know it is the biggest of all of them. Well, why don't, why don't you fight? I mean, it's one monster, right? She is smart. She is all-seeing. And we pay tribute. And then we don't have to fight. We're not warriors. Well, we are. With your blessing, I... I think... I think that my people could live there. We are warriors, and... Or at least we had we had to become them. And Asenio, why do you think we don't have warriors? I don't know. I can't imagine that, quite frankly. Um, we lost them all to her. All of them. Generations ago. I don't know. Maybe maybe we could become your new warriors. Maybe. We can, we can try. I can try. I won't stop you, my dear. I won't. I've slayed beasts before. I've studied weapons my entire life. I was practically born into a war. I, I can do it. I won't stop you. If you need anything to help you, speak with Halvern. Halvern, okay. Um, where can I find them? His stand is the largest down the lane. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. This is, this is, this, this is the most hope I've felt, um, in, in a long time. Thank you for your generosity. Of course. And I swear, if... You are the one to free us of Letka. Our village will help. I think she, like, breathes a sigh of relief. And, um, because, you know, Asinia's thinking, like, one beast, like, that's, you know, she, she believes, she believes this woman, but she's also, like, I have fought, like, we've been fighting hundreds, you know? <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and so, I, and I think I think also like, you know, where she's from, kind of a lot of the a lot of the pleasantries have fallen through the cracks, you know. And so I think she's just kind of is like awkwardly like trying to leave, but doesn't really like isn't sure if she can just like. I think Nishka go. just kind of nods like, you like you're dismissed. You're you're all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <clears throat> And I think, I think she's like practically like running, like so, like she's just so eager to, 
see what she's up against and um, fight for her people. Okay. Where, where do you, what are you doing now? Where do you go? Are you going to go to this Halvern, this tradesman's stand? Or are you just like, we're just going to the forest. It's time. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm going to stop by uh, the stand first. Um, I think she's just, Lucinia uh, is like really taking in like every sight, smell, sound, everything that she can of this place. Because to right, her, it kind of like... feels like heaven if we're you know not that we're working right with no that because this game, there's, but... there's, there's definitely like spiced food right right and like food that isn't just for like survival there's like food that's cooked well you know there's right. there's candies there's all kinds of things you know mm-hmm. and so halvern uh halvern is a is a big man probably bigger than the the fishing woman vala uh with black skin and dreadlocks with pearls that are laced into his hair he uh his his stand is twice the size of anybody else's like it it's almost its own building and it he sells everything from rope and knives to children's toys uh to paper and uh like writing utensils and he is like as you walk up, he he jovially laughs with uh, a woman and her daughter, and they and they they walk off as you approach. And he says, oh, "Are you the new arrival from the north?" Yes, I am. And she's like, you know, she's short and small, but like she she's got a presence, and she's right. And he's like, "So, my name is Halvern." Welcome, Halvern, welcome to my my welcome to my humble establishment. It's very nice to meet you. What can I what can I do for you today? Uh, it's nice to meet you as well. Um, you have a, a credible assortment. Um, I uh, I need some supplies. Um, I'm going into the forest of flowers. Um, he squints. Now, why would you want to do that? Because my people need a home, and that seems to be the available land he nods well then well it's on the um, house no you don't need to do that i do we've heard the stories at least let me make a trade if you bring your people here i'll have plenty of business i think she like i think she takes um a really beautifully fashioned like bow and arrow off of her back. Cause she, I'm, I'm imagining like she's carrying like a good amount of, well, not like a lot, but like some type of bag and um, different types of weapons on her. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she just like places it in front of him. Take it. You'll need it. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I, I'm imagining I'm going to need some kind of uh, shelter. If you have um, some kind of tarp or hide I can use to sleep, to sleep under. Um, I, I think he finds like a, a a tent, like a tent, like pre, like all bundled up and he just sort of sets it in front. Oh, wow. Um, thank you. That's, that's great. Um, let's see. I, I'm also going to need food. Food. Do you 
Books. Do you sell that here? I do sort of the dried things. Uh, dried fruits That's and great. meats and the such. And he, he, he's gathering these things for you. Thank you. That's, uh, and I think like this is like probably more, more food than she's had in a long time. Like just right in front of her, you know, I'm imagining there's kind of a ration situation back home. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what else, um, what else did you say he had? Um, he has like sundries and like, to- like toys for children and, uh, he kind of has a little bit of everything. Like he's kind of like a generalist. Okay. Um, gotcha. He even has like paper and writing utensils, which, yeah, which he actually displays quite proudly. Like he might even have like books, uh, mm-hmm. for, for sale. And as you're kind of perusing and, and asking for things, like you'll be like, Oh, a rope. And he'll like grab that. You like look mm-hmm. over to the paper and, um, the man in the red shirt is there again. He's he's going over the paper and like the the pens and such. And you're a little closer this time so you get like a better look at him. And his like his sleeves are rolled up to the elbow and he's wearing like these these brown pants and he's got these nice leather boots and he's got like the beginning of like laugh lines on it around his eyes and dimples. He's kind of, he's a pretty broad man and muscular, but he's not like you get the feeling he's not like cut, you know? Right he's like put all his groceries in like that in like a big brown bag that's slung over his shoulder and there's a, an ax resting across his back. And, um, Halvorin, uh, looks at him and says, just take what you want, Azar. And like, they both look sad about that exchange. Um, and then he, Azar, the man who Halvorin called Azar, the one in the red shirt, he makes eye contact with you and his cheeks go pink. <laughs> I think she, I think Asinia's like kind of like looks him up and down with like a little bit of a smirk. And she's like, I'm Asinia. I'm Azar. It's, um, it's nice to meet you. I'm, I'm sorry uh, about uh, bumping into you back there. That was, rude um oh no that's no don't worry about it um i uh collisions don't really phase me anymore <laughs> um uh so what where uh where are you headed <laughs> i think she's like kind of flustered by like i don't know what she's picking up from him he looks really sad when you you ask him that he's like a home uh, but he kind of like shakes it off. Is that your bow? Uh, it's his now. <laughs> she points at Halvern. Azar looks at Halvern and, and he gives like a small smile and Halvern nods. Um, Halvern, I'll take the bow. Thank you. And and Halvern just hands it to him. And Regifting already, huh? Sort of. Um, here. And he... Azar, like, gestures to, like, give it back to you? Oh, no, it's... It's a gift. I mean, but it's my own bow. <laughs> you... No, it wasn't. You traded Halvern, and Halvern traded me, and now I'm giving a gift to someone I'd like to get to know. 
I think she kind of, she kind of looks at him like vaguely, like just kind of more curious than anything. And she kind of like slowly takes it out of his hand. And she's like, well, I hope we meet again. I'd like that. I'll be back in a few days. Hope to see you then. And he like puts the paper in like a leather case of a journal and uh, gathers the ink and puts it in the bag and turns and walks away. And Halvern just, the moment he turns, Halvern is just heavy sighs and like shakes his head and then goes back to getting whatever the last thing you asked him for was. Who is he? That's his R. What, what's his story? Sad one. One we're guilty about. He was tribute. Does this have to do with Letka? Yeah. Back when I was a boy. And Azar was also... He's... He's only a few years younger than me. But... When we were young... Letka would... Storm into one of the villages. <sighs> Killing livestock, people, until she found somebody. Somebody good at keeping a home. Someone who could cook, knew how to not necessarily keep things clean, but make things feel homey. Usually someone who could sing or write poetry or tell a good joke. I don't know how she always found that person, you know, who was good at that. And if they, usually they'd agree to go with her. And we'd all know who that person was before she did. So sometimes we'd have, we'd hear her coming and line that person up. Sometimes she'd take them by force. They didn't last long when I was young. A few months, half a year, maybe. She'd get frustrated with them. Kill them. Azar. Azar. Well. If he had stayed and cooked, everyone else who sold food on this, on this stretch of street would have been out of business years ago. And, uh... <sighs> Gods, he he felled all the trees and built a home before the time he was 13. So he's a prisoner. He's been keeping her calm for 15 years. That's not fair. No, it isn't. We give him whatever we can. You know? He doesn't pay for anything. Comes in every few days. More paper to write her poems, more... Food to cook her dinners and breakfasts. Whatever he needs, he gets. Whatever we can give him. So if he wants the bow, he's already traded it. We all owe him 15 years of debt, 15 years of peace. Never seen him do that, though. I think that Asenia blushes a little bit. Um, and she says, well... <laughs> 
You're about to get your chance to repay that debt because I'm going to slay Ledka. I'm going to save him. I, I hope you do. I will. And um, I, I can I also get um, one of those journals that you have? Uh, of course. Thank you. Well, I think that's I think that's all I think that's all I need. Yeah. How long have you been traveling? Oh, um a week or so. If you take a little advice, I might rest tonight. I I don't have time to rest. Um I uh, I appreciate the advice, but... <laughs> Asinia, you're not likely to come back, period. You go tired. I've been and if you go going... in the morning, you might get a chance to talk to him while she's out hunting. I've been going tired constantly for what like 15 years of my life I, I i'm not i'm not new to this just friendly advice she hunts during the day it's afternoon now all right i'll uh i'll take your word for it you know this place better than i do uh, thank you. Thank you for your help. I, I will find a way to repay you. I promise. <laughs> didn't you, didn't you hear Azar? You already paid me. <sighs> the headswoman will have a, she'll have a bed for you. But, oh, no, I can, I, I'll just sleep on my ship. I mean, <laughs> I've got, got a, Cot set up there already. Um, I, I really don't want to intrude. Law of hospitality. <laughs> Never heard of such a thing. <laughs> well, the rule is such that if you can, you are to keep enough for a guest. And that goes for the head of the village more than anybody else. Heads one of Nishka can house 10 extra people not that she often does but it's no trouble and you can start in the morning okay all right um well <laughs> thank you thank you again um and i think she kind of gathers the supplies um and heads back up towards the head woman's house um, is like, definitely uncomfortable with this because she, like, I think that basically her people have been at war since she was, like, a little kid. Um, and so she's never really learned what, uh, you know, what it means to be comfortable, <laughs> You know, and to be like right. pampered a little bit. Like it was kind of yeah. more of a survival situation. Um, 
And so she doesn't yeah, so really does know it... what to expect. Right. So when she's given, you know, like a beef stew and some oysters and like a nice malt beer and then a feather bed and there's music that that evening does that make it better or worse (laughs) (laughs) oh um i don't know if it's better or worse i feel like it's just a little bit overwhelming like it's just kind of like how do i take in all of these (laughs) stimuli at once like like she's probably and i mean she's probably like really hungry and so she's probably trying to hide the fact that she's like kind of scarfing down her food (laughs) um right and uh but I do think that the music is comforting to her. Um, yeah, I, I think that the music is comforting. Um, and I bet she stays wherever the music's being played for quite a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she I think she opens her journal at one point and she writes down the people here are kind. They'll treat us well if I succeed. They have excellent music. It it reminds me of when I was younger and while all of our parents are were um, making battle maps and uh, making the next plan for the next day, our, our teacher would play us music and just let us listen and just let us be kids and I don't, it's nice to have that here. I hope we can have more of that when, when I bring everyone here. Yeah, I think that she stays until they're done playing and then heads to bed. Yeah. So I bet the next morning's like foggy and gray as you head out. So... We are moving from the beginning to the part of the game that's called the match because you are now acting towards the goal, um, the lover, or both. I'd, I'd say it's both in this case. Yeah, for sure. So the match begins and continues um, as this like continued conversation between us. We will now we've we'll set out um, a pile of six sided dice, which we're going to use a digital dice thing um during our turns essentially uh, we will roll and add dice to stacks in front of us based on specific actions we describe whenever natalie takes action towards the goal she'll roll a die and this action sort of includes seeking um seeking the goal gaining knowledge about it discovering it taking it saving it from danger establishing mastery over it On the other hand, if she takes action towards the lover, roll a die and place it in the, in the, in the, in the stack, uh, which is just going to like a combine her group of dice, uh, relevant actions are those which promise or clearly imply to the lover that you will abandon them to a grim fate, bring them, uh, with you when you leave, leave alone gracefully, stay there with, with him or her. One key action towards the lover is, will you or won't you embrace the lover? Embrace means explicit sexual interaction. Uh, Openly rebuffing the lover's implicit embrace also counts for rolling. Uh, Throughout the match, Natalie may only add a total of dice 
for the lover equal to the lover's score, which is two. Further actions towards the lover do not gain further dice. So Natalie's uh, turn essentially ends when she rolls uh, one die for the goal, one die for the lover, or two if she takes those actions simultaneously. On my turn, whenever I take action as the monster, I'll roll a die. Uh, I will put it into my stack, and I will play the monster aggressively, such that Natalie's choice is clear. Kill it, imprison it, escape it, or she will die. My turn will end uh, whenever I roll the dice. At the end of the match, if Natalie's sum exceeds my own, she'll win. Once I have uh, have as many dice in my stack as my monster score, which I've kept secret, that's when the, the match will end. Before that point, uh, at the beginning of Natalie's turn, if she's losing, she can choose to, to knock my dice aside, which will force me to re-roll all of my dice uh, for new totals. And that's all the rules until we get to the climax at the end. Um, so I am ready to go into the forest, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's gray and cloudy outside and we're starting the match. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I think that, um, yeah, Asenia wakes up probably before the sun, like she's getting going. Um, she's, she's not used to rest, nor does she particularly like it right now because she's so anxious, um, to do what she can to save her people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that she packs up her stuff. Um, and yeah, she's got like a big bag on her back. Um, and um, she's probably like pulled her hair into like a braid and yeah, she's, she's going. Does anything happen on the way there or what does it look like when I get there? Past the village, uh, the hills uh, flatten a little and they have fields of grain and other crops nestled amongst them. And beyond these hills, fields, and moors is the forest of flowers. And the forest is made up of ever-blossoming trees. Wisterias, sakuras, peach blossoms, etc. Like, it's the wrong season. But it's like it's springtime always in this forest. So it's purples and pinks, yellows and oranges on these trees. The forest floor, the, like as you start approaching, like the ground stops being grass and earth and starts just being piles and piles of petals. So it's as you start stepping on them, it's silent. Mm. Um, soft steps. I think that Asenia kneels down um, and takes a closer look at some of these flowers. Um, did you say there's like a lot of different kinds of them? Uh, there's lots and lots of different kinds of flowering trees. Oh, okay. And, and so, like, all, the, the forest floor is just a bed of flower petals that seem to be able to be damaged, but they don't wilt, really. Like, they don't really rot away. Mm. So there's, like, drifts of them and pads. Like, it's very strange. I think I take, like, a few petals um, and kind of like um what's the word um like I put them like in my notebook like kind of 
in effort to like press them like later I'll probably like work on that. Um, mm-hmm. but she's, she's definitely, um, kind of examining, uh, you know, the space around her and taking notes on some of the plants and uh, just the setting in general, uh, to bring back to her people. And I think she's, she's feeling like really at peace here. It's, beautiful and she's coming here to fight which is the thing that she knows how to do best probably second to um weapon making (laughs) um yeah i think i think she's just walking until she sees anything of note and kind of like collecting petals and leaves and whatever she can find so you probably walk until mid-morning until you find something And you realize that this isn't a coincidence, probably, but you find a house in the center, a big wooden cabin, and its proportions feel a little strange. The doorway is tall, the house is particularly tall, but you find it because you hear a sound. The, uh, the sound of chopping wood. And as you get close, the, the sound gets louder and louder until you see Azar. And he is out front chopping wood. You know, he's, he's doing the thing, right? He's, he doesn't have a shirt on. And now that you're close enough, he's singing some sort of song uh, to add like a rhythm to his work. You know, something something about, you know, like, literally, it's like a wood chopping song about swinging high with mid-morning sun and that sort of, that sort of thing. He's got his hair braided back, but he seems to be alone. Okay. Um, I think that Asinia is going to take a second here. She's probably still, like, standing um, in some trees uh, watching for a second to make sure that they're truly alone. Cause I think she wants to um, kind of mm, get a sense of where she is and what this situation is, because she knows that this is a dangerous beast, even though it looks pleasant and you know, someone she knows is there and all she wants to do is talk to him. Um, she knows that this could be a dangerous situation. So I'm wondering, is this an action where I'm trying to gain knowledge about the situation? I think so. Okay. I think so. Does this, is, is Azar on her mind as part of, uh, as part of this? Yeah. She wants to know like what he does. Um, I mean, she can, she can ask him about that later, but I think she's just trying to assess like the type of danger and the level of danger here um like if she were to show herself so this is only about the goal this isn't about him actually yeah for now i think that's what it is but it will be about him soon (laughs) then you roll one die according to the rules right 1d6 six that that's a six that's a good roll all right Uh, so this, so this is sort of the, this is the end of your, of your turn, essentially. Um, I think, 
you probably stay until the end of his of this chore, right? Like he he finishes chopping, he carries it to to the woodshed, he goes inside, grabs something to drink, comes back out. And the whole while it's so quiet here. Everything's muffled, right? You don't hear him speak to anybody. You don't hear any other sounds other than him not fumbling around, but like doing things inside and coming back out. And I, so I think it becomes pretty clear that it's safe for the time being. Okay. Um, so I imagine that Asenia probably like climbed up in one of the trees. Um, mm-hmm. I think as soon as she can tell that it's safe, she just kind of like leaps down. And, but I guess it's quiet because she lands on flowers. <laughs> um, so I don't know if he would right. notice yet. Um, I bet that relative to the rest of the forest, that's pretty loud. That's fair. Um, and so as you do, like, quick as lightning, hand is on the axe. Uh, and it's like, lift. it's a big one. It's like a two-hander, but it's lifted to throw. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, and then he kind of like lowers Asinia, right? That's me. We just keep meeting, huh? 